Hello, welcome to Meet Your District Supervisor. I'm Nona Melkonian, and we're here with Supervisor John Avalos from District 11, which includes the Excelsior District, Ingleside, Ocean View, Outer Mission, and Crocker Amazon neighborhoods. Supervisor Avalos was elected to the Board of Supervisors in November of 2008. We're going to get to know him and talk about the toughest issues facing the city. Welcome, Supervisor Avalos, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little about your background, where you grew up and went to school, and the kind of jobs you've worked. I was born in Los Angeles, a town called Wilmington. Uh, it was a pretty much Mexican-American town, Chicano town, uh, lots of uh, working-class folks. Uh, my dad was a longshore worker. My mom uh, was an office worker. She worked at USC. Um, my parents got divorced when I was uh, 10 years old, and actually I moved to the East Coast. I lived there, for, lived there for about six years and fled back to California after, uh, after high school and went to school at UC Santa Barbara. Uh, graduated in 88, been in San Francisco since 1989, lived in uh, the district in the Excelsior uh, since 99. And I've had lots of different jobs. Um, but uh, my main jobs, I got my master's in social work from San Francisco State University. I've been a community organizer and a social worker. I uh, worked at a labor organization supporting janitors who work in our high-rise buildings, our residential buildings. And I've been a legislative aide before being a supervisor. So I got to know City Hall and how it worked, um, mostly from the outside, working for uh, community-based organizations supporting young people, children, youth, and families, and working for labor, and got to see how City Hall could be uh, an effective tool for creating change, and uh, looked at running, uh, you know, uh, in 2007, 2008, and somehow I made it. So you were raised in Los Angeles, and then moved to the East Coast, and um, what made you want to come back and live in San Francisco? Well, I, I love cities. Um, and I never really felt like I lived in a city when I was in Los Angeles. Mm. Uh, but when I lived in Massachusetts, that's where I lived, um, I was close to Boston. And every time I went to Boston, I just had such a great time. Um, but I didn't like Massachusetts so much because it was so cold and the culture there was very foreign to me, even though it was the United States. Uh, but when I came to San Francisco, the first time I came here, um, there was a rainbow over the bay and it was just like something calling me. Uh, I was uh, 19 or 20 at the time and I just knew this is the place I really needed to live. And just the, the history here, um, you could see the history in terms of the buildings, but you, could, you know the history from just, you know, the labor history, the you know, hippie history, the history of just uh, what happened here in, in 78 with uh, Milk and Moscone and all of that. Uh, it just had a very intriguing uh, sense to me. I wanted to be part of it. It's a special city. Yes, it is. And what motivated you to get involved in politics? You know, I've been involved in politics in so many ways uh, for, for so long. For decades, I was involved with you know, doing work around Central America and supporting immigrants and or people in Central America against U.S. imperialism and their, the right to live and self-determination. Was involved with a lot of work on that on campus when I was in, in college. A uh, little bit of work on, against uh, against apartheid you know, when I was in college as well. Um, was involved with a lot of the efforts to push back on efforts to remove affirmative action, Prop 209, uh, supporting young people against harsh sentencing that was in Prop 21. So did lot, all kinds of work around ballot measures that were really harmful or trying to promote better ballot measures, better ideas like single-payer health care back in 94. I never got involved in supporting a candidate. I never really thought that 
a candidate was someone I was ever going to support. Uh, and then when Tom Almiano ran for, um, for, for mayor in the runoff against Willie Brown, somehow I got inspired. I just thought if someone with uh, integrity and honesty uh, who really comes from the community could, could run for mayor, maybe it could be a place where someone who really represents what's true about our community and our people could be in City Hall and that's what inspired me to, to run and to be a, a candidate, you know, or how I could look at electoral politics from a candidate perspective. And so when you did run um, for uh, the Board of Supervisors, what did you learn from that experience from the campaign? Uh, from the campaign? Gosh, I learned so much. Um, when you, you know, knocked on a lot of doors, talked to so many people, um, some of the things that were really interesting about how how connected a lot of people were to um, their schools and their communities and people got involved in communities in so many different ways there we have neighborhood associations that represent a lot of people in the districts but there were so many people who were actively involved in uh, in the community in the neighborhood through their schools through their arts organizations uh, through child care facilities through their relationships at seniors at the parks and that was just something that was really exciting to see that there were multiple ways for people to be involved as, as uh, residents and citizens of, of the city and just how vibrant it is. Um, I was really stunned by just how many how many like artists were in, were in District 11. There's so many like great artists who are doing incredible work who don't have a venue within District 11 to show their artwork. And it, it inspired me in my office to want to sponsor art walk events and cultural events. Now we're, we're going to be starting a, an art arts uh, committee to look at how we can get more city funding and how we can have the community be part of deciding what kind of arts you want to show in the district and where our venues can be. So that was just like one idea, one thing we, you know, I learned from, from campaigning. What kind of art? And you, you name it, you know, yeah. we have people who make their own, you know, musical instruments and make their own sounds and ensembles. They do that in their, in their, in their, in their garages. People who are artists uh, who paint, uh, photographers, we have an artist showing her work right now in my office. She went to Africa and has captured the images of, of youth struggling to raise younger children uh, in the AIDS crisis in Africa. We have writers. We have writers who are well known in Latin America who write in Spanish who aren't well, very well known here but in, in the Latin American world are, are re really well known. It's just incredible amounts of vibrancy uh, going on and, and musicians in, in, in District 11. It's really great to see. That is great to see. And switching gears a little bit, um, what do you feel are some of the biggest issues facing your district? Right now. When I first was campaigning, there was a there was a, a lot of murders that were going on. It seems to be so, has settled down, you know, dramatically. But I, it's always something to be vigilant about: is like how we can have uh, a public safety uh, uh, environment that's going to be collaborative between community and police. And it's something I always want to be able to work on: is how how we maintain strong relationships between the community around. Uh, public safety issues. Occasionally, we do have a murder. How do we how we how do we respond as a community to come together? Uh, is important for me to always be part of. So we've had several, you know, murders since I've been in in, in office. And every time I look out to how I can support the family of uh, the victim, regardless of what the conditions were, how I can get people to to talk and and engage with the police department about what they can do to help uh, community feel safer, how community members can come together to support one another. These are the ways I'd like to re be able to respond. That's something I always want to be, you know, part of uh, an effort of as as supervisor. One thing this year, um, 
I'm, I'm really tackling and I expect it's going to continue for a long time is looking at Muni and how Muni operates in, in my district. Uh, the 14 bus is one of the main bus routes and one of the busiest bus routes in, in uh, San Francisco and in, in my district. It's very well used. Uh, often um, the Muni bus doesn't go all the way down to the very end of the line. It, it, becomes uh, uncomfortable for, for people who have to like get off the bus early. So I'm trying to work out how we could figure out actually how to extend the line all the way down to Daly City. So if you want to get downtown from the part of my district that's closest to Daly City, you can go to Daly City BART, get on, take the bus to Daly City BART, and then you can get downtown if you work downtown in 20 minutes. Right now, if you want to get downtown and you want to you take the 14 bus to Balboa Station, it'll take you 45 minutes just to get to Balboa Station. And it's, you could have much better service by looking at it, extending it all the way down. So it's one thing I'm working on is how to make Muni um, more effective. San Francisco, we talk about it being a transit-first city, um, but it doesn't mean a lot if the options for transit aren't very well thought out in places further from downtown. My district is one of those places where we need to do much more to create better options, and that's what I want to work towards doing. So you mentioned Muni and all the changes um, that are going to be happening. What about parking and traffic, and is the area safe for pedestrians? Uh, it was a lot to always do on pedestrian work. I've been part of like assuring that the Department of Parking and Traffic is doing better painting in the lines on Alamany Street. I've been part of that. Uh, along Balboa Park Station on Geneva and San Jose, I've been part of getting... Uh, pushing really hard on getting ramps for pedestrians. Right now it's very dangerous to cross the street, uh, especially if you're pushing a stroller or you're in a wheelchair. Um, often you have to go way out of your way just to get across to the other side. You have to go much further than you should normally typically have to. So through my efforts, been able to get some curb ramps. There's so much more to do. Uh, we have to figure out how to calm the traffic. A lot of cars go speeding through uh, you know, very, very quickly and make it very unsafe for pedestrians. Sidewalks aren't very convenient for people. Um, it takes a lot of money to do that and so it's you know really being vigilant, looking at the opportunities for funding that could come through the Transportation Authority and making sure that pedestrians are well thought out in those places. We've been you know extending the, the sidewalks in, in some places to help with pedestrians, trying to put in islands to, and planting to help slow down the traffic. Uh, bike lanes have helped with that as well. A little bit controversial where I live is the bike lanes because uh, people um, don't see as many bikes, but we're seeing more and more now, now the bike lanes are coming in. That helps to calm traffic down and uh, make it safer for pedestrians as well. And when you have a bike lane on a major street, um, you don't have as much space to cross that you know the cars are, are going very quickly on. You, you actually cut a lane down on the cars and then you actually as a pedestrian can walk more safely across the street. So those are you know improvements I've been supporting and want to see more of. Those are great improvements to see and switching gears and let's talk a little about um, the issues facing the city as a whole. What are some issues that you feel could be um, improved on? Well, uh, Muni, you know, we, we can always go back to Muni over and over again. Um, you know, part of the difficulty with Muni is, is funding that we're losing from the state level. Um, I think it's like $65 million a year that we've lost. That makes creates a huge impact. Um, we also have, you know, Muni's challenged by traffic as well, and the buses are very slow because it's contending, the buses are contending with uh, cars crossing and cars double parked, so we need to figure out how to, you know, create the space and the better use of our streets. Uh, I think looking at crosswalks and how you can have better time crosswalks, maybe you have more crosswalks 
or, or just for pedestrians across the street, diagonally across the street, uh, could help to move the buses and cars in a more efficient way. I'm looking at that. Um, uh, overall, our budget, you know, we're in our maybe fourth, fifth year of a major budget deficit. I've been the chair of the budget committee over the past uh, couple years, not this year. I'm still involved in budget issues, though. I want to make sure that I can be helpful to my colleagues who are grappling uh, with our huge deficit. Um, it's inevitable that we're going to make uh, very painful cuts. So how do we make the cuts in a way that uh, is going to minimize the impacts to everyday San Franciscans? How do we keep our parks uh, in, in good condition, knowing that they're often a place that gets cut first? Um, how do we maintain our safety net? Uh, our public health services, our public security services, public safety services, all of these are critical decisions that have to be made. Uh, the pension uh, question is something that comes up and uh, the cost that our our pension li liability is going to uh, cause the city, especially because our investments in the, in the market uh, have come down since uh, 2008. Uh, we're spending more of our general fund to cover our, our pension costs, and that's a very you know it's a very big challenge. Um, and it's going to take you know it's a long-term problem, but it also has short-term impl implications because we know right away we're not going to have as much money as we need to to cover all our services and our pension costs as well. So. So uh, I do support efforts to you know, figure out short-term solutions uh, around contributions that workers can make. And I think you know, it's important to actually work collaboratively as much as possible with labor uh, organizations to be able to come up with solutions. Uh, I think we have to realize that you know, jobs are going to be at stake, that we have to cut positions, that we have to cut services. Uh, and if we don't resolve the pension issue, we're going to have to cut services in a way that is going to be harmful to, uh, to San Franciscans. We're going to see fewer options for Muni. We're going to see our parks deteriorating. We're going to see less you know, investment in our public infrastructure if we can't resolve these issues. So I think you know, the, the, the tide is rising. We have to figure out how to swim very quickly. Let's talk a little about the city's housing needs. Um, what do you feel are the city's housing needs, and what should the Board of Supervisors do to address these needs? We have um, you know, a variety of housing stock that's it's getting old. We have to figure out how to, how to stabilize it. Last year we had a bond, I, which I supported, to stabilize affordable housing to make it earthquake safe. Um, there are a lot of people who are losing housing in my my district, uh, the district where there's a lot of single-family homes, as well as District 10 where they have a lot of single-family homes, we have a foreclosure crisis uh, that still is not recognized the way it really needs to be recognized. We have to figure out as a city how we can leverage our resources, which are scant, uh, with private sector resources. And I think there may be a possibility to add uh, invest, big, large investment firms or, or public money that's invested to support uh, homeowners in, in uh, my district and District 10 where we see a lot of foreclosure closures. I want to look at how we can leverage uh, local funds with those uh, funds to help people to uh, renovate their homes and to help to modify their loans in ways that they can stay in their housing. That's one issue, but we also have uh, we have apartment housing that we have to, you know, make sure is stable, is, is safe, uh, that we can keep renters in their space, that we can stop uh, apartment housing from being eroded for, uh, to be converted uh, automatically through, uh, through to, into condos. We have to make sure that we can preserve apartment housing, which is affordable. Uh, and so I think it's important that we have a good balance between, you know, having, you know, condos, that are in the city and maintaining our, our, our apartment uh, housing stock. That's a big tension right now. I expect that we'll see another effort to create a, a condo fee. Uh, and I, you know, I can understand under certain conditions that 
fee could be effective, but how can we put that fee forward that we protect uh, housing that's apartment housing from, from flipping over into condos? Because not everyone who's in a, an apartment would be able to, um, to move into a condo. So I think we need to have a lot of folks at the table to decide if we're going to do a condo fee, how we can, under what conditions is it going to be workable? Uh, there are a lot of people who, are, you know, who have TICs, tenancies in common, who would like to convert to condos, and they're in, in the lottery system, and they've been waiting for years to get through it. I've heard a lot about their frustration, but I don't think we've, we've got the formula yet formula yet to fix it. But I think we can get there as a city. I think we have the, the right combination of people uh, in the community and the relationships with people in the community with the mayor's office and with the Board of Supervisors to come up with a solution. I'm hopeful that that can happen. Uh, we need to build a more affordable housing, and funding is a huge issue um, with our Current, current recession, it's hard to find funding for affordable housing, um, but I do have a lot of people in my district who are in desperate need of it. People in my district live in substandard housing. We have families who are doubled up uh, in that's the only way they can afford to buy a house is to buy with other families. In, in a single family home, we have people living in garages. We have people living, uh, renting rooms and housing. Um, and people call it a parking problem in District 11. We have a housing problem. There's not enough affordable housing for people. And so it's something that I think it's hard for a city like San Francisco to deal with, but we have to figure out how we can, you know, improve the housing situation for people who are living in these substandard housing. And now you mentioned there's a housing problem. What about um, the issue of homelessness? Um, what are your ideas on dealing with this issue? Sure. Well, we have, um, you know, long-term plans um, that combat homelessness through a continuum of care. The continuum of care looks at uh, economics, looks at housing stock, looks at uh, health care support, and all those pieces need to be part of how we're going to you know, deal with homelessness in San Francisco. So on the public health side, we need to make sure that we have uh, services that are going to help people to stabilize their lives, how they can access uh, mental health services, substance abuse services. A lot of the people who are on the street uh, are, in effect, um, you know, suffering from, you know, the disease of, of alcoholism or drug dependency. A lot of people get on the street because they become poor. They lost their jobs. They lost their housing. A lot of people become disabled because they might have HIV. HIV is a, a one, one cause of, uh, of homelessness for one part of the homeless population, but also being homeless um, makes, you more, makes you more susceptible to contracting HIV as well. So we have to look at our public health system, make sure that we're able to do our, our work around uh, finding you know, resources to get people to understand how to be more healthy and have more healthy lives. Um, housing is a big issue. I like the idea of, of building more supportive housing that can uh, help people to have stable, have a, a room, but also the, these other services I've just mentioned so they can actually um, be stable in their housing. That's an important part of it. Um, and it's probably, you know, I like to think we can get over it, but, you know, building, you know, the kind of housing stock and having an economy that's going to be able to have enough jobs for people that they can be stable and, and the services on the health side are what it's going to take to do. Uh, homelessness has been uh, an issue that is always the perennial issue that people use in campaigns to, you know, what they're going to do to help resolve thing, resolve the homeless issue. At some times I see homeless people get scapegoated uh, as, the, as the cause of a problem, but I think what we need to do is think about it in a compassionate way how we can provide, you know, real, real care that's going to help people to turn their lives around. The success, the success of it is how we were able to to help people to make the changes in their lives where they can find housing, where they can have a job, where they can have independent living, where they're free of the um, services that uh, we help them to, to maintain that level of, of freedom.
What about the, um, the challenges that um, the youth face in your district, the unmet challenges? Um, what about those issues? Well, I, I think one of the biggest issues is jobs, is uh, young people finding, you know, finding, uh, finding work. I was just talking with uh, the director of the Department of Children, Youth, and Families about a plan to help do outreach to businesses and see how we can encourage businesses with some incentives in the first few months or maybe the first couple of years to hire young people uh, to have jobs. Um, that's a big issue. Is like a lot of people come from families where they're probably dealing with one or two parents who might be. Um, uh, unemployed, so often you know kids need to bring in money into the family. There's a lot of pressure they face, and sometimes some kids, small minority of them, get involved in in things that probably bring in money and that aren't very good for our communities. Uh, not very healthy. Maybe maybe dealing drugs. It's not a big issue in my district, but it's an issue that's there. There aren't enough opportunities for young people to have you know recreation, sports, activities, jobs, education, and we could do better as a city. I'm really excited about. Um, in the Ocean View neighborhood uh, at the Mini Levy Ward Rec Center, um, the City Fields Foundation is looking at putting uh, some, astro some artificial turf fields there. And I look at that as a really great uh, community development opportunity where you can build you know, sports programs, uh, softball, baseball, uh, soccer, football, to help you know, get young people to be involved in things that are really, really productive, really good for them, uh, help them understand or feel they have really great skills that they can contribute. And, and from that you know, sense of confidence, they can have success in other parts of their lives, in school or in, in their work or their relationships with other people. Those are things that I think are really beneficial for, for young people. I'm excited about seeing you know, these services coming to my district. And what are your thoughts on the city's economic development? Um, do you feel we're on the right track? Well, I think that uh, we need to do what we can to create conditions for um, for attracting businesses here. I'm not necessarily in, in support of of uh, doing away with our payroll tax to attract businesses, but I think, I mean, to give a payroll tax exemption to for new hires, I don't think is a good policy. Um, I think doing going changing from a payroll tax to a gross receipts tax, uh, a gross receipts tax that you're not basically. Uh, the business tax is not based on the number of employees you have and how much they get paid, but it's based on your overall, uh, you know, business you have coming in and out of your uh, of your business. It's a better uh, tax structure that doesn't uh, harm businesses who hire more people on. And harm is a strong word, but it doesn't attach the the, the fee or the the tax to the number of employees you have. That uh, is a disincentive at times for businesses. So a gross receipts tax is a better. Uh, a better structure, I believe. But we do a lot of things to support businesses here. Our, our muni uh, improvements that happen downtown more than in the more distant parts of uh, the city are things that support uh, businesses. Uh, the infrastructure we're putting in, our, our sidewalks, our lighting, all this is, are things that support businesses. We have a lot of concentration of that in the downtown area of San Francisco. And I see it, uh, you know, something that one of the big things that we offer. Uh, we also have a very pretty city, that I think, is a big thing that attracts a lot of a lot of businesses too. And we have, um, you know, certain parts of uh, the city that have really great, you know, thinking going on. You see, California, SF State, uh, USF, uh, that uh, in our hospitals that uh, attract a lot of really great minds and attention of people to come to San Francisco and make it a home. It looks like we're all out of time, so we're going to have to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much for joining sure. us on SFGTV's Meet Your District Supervisor. Um, we've been talking to Supervisor John Avalos from District 11. 
Watch for the next episode of Meet Your District Supervisor when we'll be back with another one of our 11 city supervisors. For SFGov TV, I'm Nona Melconian.